Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We'll start in the book of James, and then we'll land in Hebrews. So if you put your finger there in Hebrews chapter 4, and then go over to James chapter 1, verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12, or it will prayerfully <laughs> prayerfully be on the screen. All right, we're good. Awesome. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we thank you for your church and just already what you've done. We're, we're grateful for it. Father, we're grateful to just be a part. I pray that you would move, the Spirit of God move and work in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. What we're going to do, and I did not make it through uh, the whole message this morning, so if we make it through here, I'm going to have to catch up the 9 o'clock hour next week and then move on, but I'm really, uh, I'm not pressured. If, if we don't make it through, we don't make it through. Um, I'd like to. Um, but it just, we definitely did not this morning. We camped out in a few places, and I'm all right with that as well. Um, but we'll just kind of work our way through. The way that we're approaching chapter 4 is we're going to go to the end of the chapter, verses 14 through 16, and then we're going to go back to the beginning, 1 through 13, after we read the latter part. But uh, there's a passage that connects and correlates really well, and that's James 1, 12 through 18. Uh, and all of this is, it, it's kind of a story, and it, it is figuring out what is the author saying? What was he saying to, uh, to the church then? And um, what, what was his point? Because he definitely had a specific point in mind, and we're seeing many times, what, what has been the book that he's quoted the most so far in the first few chapters? Anybody? Huh? This is what I heard. What, what book has he been quoting uh, more than any other book? Like over and over, we see quotations from this one book. Here's sermon trivia. Ready, go. John. We've had some John, some similarities, I should say. Um, <laughs> direct quotes from Psalms. Yeah, we've seen a lot of the Psalms in there. Uh, and then we're going to really see where that comes full circle here. So let's jump in and... Uh, the title of the message today is, I Need a Nap. That's the title, I Need a Nap. How many can track with that? Okay, all right, well, you have come to the right place. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to take one, right? Some of you, you, you take one every week, and, and I know who you are. I don't tell on you. I really don't. I could, but I don't. Uh, every week, some of y'all, you just get in that right place, you for sure got decaf coffee instead of regular, and you nestle in, and you were like. <laughs> and occasionally, like when I reach the higher points, 
you know, and I don't mean like point number four. I mean like my voice inflection is higher than others. It's and it's amazing to me. You like you come out of dead sleep nodding your head yes. <laughs> like you have you have gotten this down. I mean, you have it to a science. It is amen, amen, yes. <laughs> so Today, it is, you're just being obedient if you take a nap during the message today uh, with the title being, I Need a Nap. We're going to talk about rest. Anytime I say nap, I just mean rest or Sabbath. Um, There's an excerpt at the end of the message notes that's all about the Sabbath for you. It's not for today or for the message, but if you'd like to read more about it, where it came from, what the context is. Um, it's at the bottom of the message notes, and so that's for your for your reading. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump in here. James chapter one, verse twelve through eighteen. Let's lay some groundwork. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Um, if you haven't been listening along with with the passage, uh, and every week as we're we're diving in, you should go back and listen to you know last week's message. Um, you know this thing about enduring trials, walking through suffering going through hardships, we need to rethink it. We need to not only rethink it, we need to be okay with it. We need to come to grips with the fact that suffering is a major part of Christianity, and it's what the Lord uses. And we should not look down on each other when we're walking through difficult times. We should hold each other up. Not in an effort to get them through it, but just in an effort to be there through it. Because it is a thing, and it is a very spiritual thing. Suffering, hardships, very spiritual. Very much so the fact that when you're walking through those things, you have an opportunity to be closer to the Lord and allow others to see the Lord in a better, more clear way. Let's rethink it. Rather than, man, I wonder what they did wrong. Man, I wonder why. You know, we should all be conditioned to be like, man, they're walking through it. We should consider it an honor. Like, reframe the fact that it is an honor to walk through hardships. It's not like, man, they must, they, they must be sinning. Like we have to reframe that. We have to think differently about this. Watch this. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Is that how we think about it? No. You're like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I need a nap. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil. So there's, there's a fine line here, right, between something that you're going through that's a difficult time and something that you're going through that was caused by sin. A lot of things that we go through are caused by our sin. <laughs> Can anybody track with that? I'm just going through a hard time. <laughs> you sure are. I don't know why. Did you look in the mirror this morning? There you go. Found it, right? And we all have those moments, right? But be careful not to attribute that to the Lord. Don't say I'm being tempted of God since God is not tempted by evil. And he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person, watch this process. Watch this. We're going to use this word a lot this morning. Watch this pattern. Can you say that word with me? Pattern. Watch this pattern. Does anybody remember? Do they still have patterns at, like, Joann's? 
like sections of patterns. Is this still a thing? Why is that so funny? You guys, ah! you guys are like cackling. I was just asking. It's so funny. I like struck a chord there. I was like, patterns, he knows. Okay. Another thing. Ah! So my mom, my mom is like a seamstress. She has like 20 sewing machines. Uh, not like professionally, but it's just something that she could do it professionally, but it's just something she's always done. And I remember as a little kid, uh, I remember I had two older sisters, right? So we were always at Joanne Fabrics or whatever the store was, at the, the fabric store at the time. Walmart used to have it. I don't know if you remember that. You guys remember that? It used to be in Walmart. And there, there'd be a whole sewing section. And my mom had tons of these patterns, right? And my sister would be like, this is what I want. And my mom would make it. And she would make these patterns and these things. So, like, you saw the picture on the front, and you'd be like, yeah, that's what I want to look like. And so then the pattern would then be laid out. And I remember watching my mom lay the pattern on the fabric, cut it out, go through the process. And hopefully the end result, which for my mom, the end result was always really good. <laughs> Some of y'all would be like, uh, <laughs> did you use the same pattern? <laughs> Is this it? Yeah. And you're going to like it. Can you imagine, kids? Aren't you glad that sewing isn't a thing anymore? I mean, you got it. You got it good. It's gonna, it, might be, it might become a thing again if things keep going. Hey, man, coffee's dropping everywhere today, isn't it? <laughs> Just kidding, guys. It's all good. But, it, you know, it, it's, it used to be a thing. It's a pattern. The outcome is determined by the pattern and the ability to... <laughs> Follow the pattern, right? We're going to use that word. Watch it here. Watch this pattern, if I can find it. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. Do you see how that worked? It's a pattern. And when sin is fully grown, they're using a, a, a child familial analogy, right? When it's fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So do you see the analogy? We have a desire. That desire births an action of sin. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings about what? Death. But on the contrary, Every good thing, every perfect thing is from above. Don't say that the Lord tempted you. Don't say that that problem came from him. Because problems don't come from him. Gifts come from him. You didn't get that from him. That's not something that can be born up there. That's something that was born in your sinful heart. And he desires to have you as a fruit, as a first fruit, as a child. All the brother-sister language in this book so far, right? I'm talking about Hebrews. 
this passage in James is like right in line. It's saying, hey, um, don't attribute that part of you, that sin that has grown up. Some of y'all have two families. Some of y'all have some spiritual children in your lives that the Lord is doing and he's giving you good gifts. But unfortunately, they're all going to get choked out by the other family that you have. You're coddling these other children, and they are children of the darkness, <laughs> children of the corn. <laughs> They're coming for you. It's Halloween. You can't serve two masters, right? We know this, but, but I want you to see that there's a pattern. There's something that you follow that produces something. And you need to figure out what pattern you're following. Have you ever thought about your rhythms of life? Have you ever thought about your patterns? How many are creatures of habit? Anybody? Okay. How many are creatures of you don't even know? <laughs> I mean, it's like whatever. I don't even know what happens. Right here, me and you. Me and you, Miss Patty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're all different. I, look, this is official. I'm, I'm sharing this officially. I was officially diagnosed with ADHD. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. I couldn't wait to tell you as a church. My therapist was like, has anyone ever told you? I'm like, what? Has anyone ever diagnosed you? I'm like, I've never been to a therapist before in my life. And she's like, oh, okay. So no one's told you? So told me what? That you have ADHD. I was like, no, no one's told me that. This is a big moment. You know, like salvation, the day I got married, the day we had children, the day I was officially diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, thank you. The Lord gave it to me. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was, it was neat. It was a neat experience. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It makes a lot of sense. Everybody was like, we could have told you that for free. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> patterns. I'm starting to analyze myself and like how I do things. I'm learning that I'm, what is it? Neurodivergent. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that term? I'm very neurodivergent. Um, but you know, the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. And it's important for you to pick up on the fact that these patterns that you're doing and how you're living, it, there's an outcome to that. We read the book of James, and it's like, look, good gifts come from God. Your sin babies come from your lust, right? I mean, that's the, it's kind of a funny term, isn't it? Sin babies. <laughs> and sin babies, when they're fully grown, bring forth for the wages of sin is death. Death to a relationship. Death to a marriage. Yeah, you foster that thing. You keep pushing that thing around in a stroller. You keep feeding that thing. And it'll grow, and it'll eat, and it'll eat, and then it'll eat at a house and home. And how many as a pastor, how many times, and it's just because people call me when, when sin has finished its work. And I want people to call me. You know, that's, that's what, one of the reasons why I'm here. But, man, how often do I see it where it is just that thing is fully grown and is mad? And I'm like, look, the Lord's grace is still sufficient, and we're still going to get through this. And I'm like, 
We're still going to get through this. This is rough. And I've seen the Lord come through. But how much better would it be to identify the patterns before we get there? So this passage here in Hebrews, let's go to the end of the thing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Let's, let's see what the Lord's doing here in this passage. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, remember this is the end of the passage. We're going to go back to the beginning. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Let us hold fast to our confession. And we know this from last week. That means let us hold fast to our agreement. Let us hold fast to the promise. Let us hold fast to our salvation. That's what he's saying, right? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, Somebody say amen. Amen. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without what? Sin. He never had a sin, baby. Right? The enemy tried to get him to have a sin, baby, but his lust never turned into anything. He was tempted with everything. The enemy took him up to a high place. I'm sure there were many moments of temptation like we are tempted. Our minds can go as crazy as you want with that. Why? Because we know how we are tempted, right? How many were tempted this week? How many were faced with things this week and it was just like, oh, did you make it? Did you not make it? Did that lust grow into something? The the point of this is like, watch it. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, Hmm. Therefore, because of that, watch this. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Somebody say amen. Amen. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. James says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Sent down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. King James says in whom there is no variableness. In other words, it's consistent. It's timely. It's there. It's available. And if you if you play around with your lust, what comes out is sin. And what comes out from that is something that will kill you. But if you go to the throne of grace, what comes out is mercy and grace and wisdom and love and he gives it consistently over and over as much as you want to give into your lust as much as you want to pet that sin as much as you want to feed it and watch it grow because it makes you feel good understand that the good will not last there's pleasure in sin for a season but if you approach the throne of grace man we receive these gifts forever and they grow and they nurture us you see the difference One is a pattern of reconciliation. The other is a pattern of destruction and damage. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus knows what it's like. He feels it. He endures it. Jesus is. Another perspective here is the connection. I found this so interesting, right? Verse 12, I think it is. Yeah, verse 12. Verse 12 in this passage is a super famous verse. And if when we read it, when we get there, excuse me, um, you'll see it. And, and many of you probably know it or have quoted it. You know it maybe in King, I know it in King James. And for me, I would quote that verse for certain, certain things. You know, we talk about the Bible and scripture and be like, the word of God's powerful. 
It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, right? It's quick. It's powerful. It's alive. We talk about the word of God like that with this verse from this passage, but upon further review, and that's correct, right? It's a correct thing to say. But God was talking about it in a specific context. And he was actually saying my words, and he was referring to a time when he said some stuff, and the people didn't hear him. And that's the point of chapter 4, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So you'll see the, the familiar verse, and you'll be like, oh, wow. But now hopefully you'll, you'll see where it fits in. But I, I want to point this out. Look at the end of James chapter 1, where it says, by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth. Remember it said that? By the word, oh, that was quick, Ryan. He's on it. By the word of what? Do you see that? By the word of truth. Then in our text, we find that, if I can find it, by the word of truth. Oh, there it is. We haven't read it yet. Verse 12 is referring to the words of the Lord. So I, I want you to see this as we kind of like go backwards and go to verse number 1 through 13. And then we're going to, like, compare that with James, and it's going to launch us into a few other passages. So let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. But remember, James 1, it says, He gave us birth by the word of truth. And then we're going to see his word come into play here. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, going to the beginning of the passage, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains. The promise to enter his rest, what? It remains. Let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen, what? Short. For we also have received the good news. So it remains. In other words, the promise to enter his rest was there for somebody else. And you beware lest you fall short because somebody else has what? What's the implication that the author is saying? Therefore, since the promised enter's rest is still here, beware that none of you have fallen short. We have also received the good news just as they did. In other words, there was somebody else that received the same message before you did, and it didn't turn out well for them. But I'd like for this to turn out well for you. How many of you want it to turn out well for you? Do you want a sin baby? Or do you want a grace baby? Such a weird analogy, but there it is. <laughs> I didn't make it up. It's actually really good. <laughs> Some of y'all already, have, well, never mind. Oof. <sighs> Man, I could run with that one. You know, uh, walking, <laughs> walking through Target, you see all kind of them running around, pulling everything down. Mm. Sin babies. <laughs> That's what we're going to call them from here on out. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the message they heard, don't miss this, it did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it and what? This is actually very simple. Some people, when the Lord speaks, they hear it in faith, and other people don't. You know the fine line between people who are going to make it to the kingdom of God and those that will fall short? It's really thin. The Lord loves both persons. One heard it in faith and the other one didn't. For we who have believed, 
into the rest. Do you see that? In keeping with what he has what? The Lord said, I've birthed this thing by my words. You are to be my first fruits by what I have said. The word of God. Yeah, the Bible. Absolutely. But also, this passage is talking about something he said specifically. Right? And here it is. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. And here's a quote. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. That ought to concern you. Even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken. There's more of his what? Come on now, more of his what? His words. There's more of his what? Hey, there you go. Somewhere, right? He's spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. The promise still remains, verse number one, that you can enter into my rest. He said it himself in his own words, they will not, but I have rested from all my works. Again, in this passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of what? Because of what? Disobedience. That's why. He again specifies a certain day today. Remember last week? The Holy Spirit says what? Today. The theme It's continuing. This message is for what? It's for now. It still remains that you can enter into the Sabbath rest, but understand this, some won't. Some won't take this warning or some won't take what I'm saying, my words, seriously. Today, he specified this speaking through who? David. After such a long time, here's another quote. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, now here we go, here's a specific moment here, a story. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same what? Pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrows. This is famous, right? Famous verse. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In other words, the heart of the matter, the Lord knows where you're at. He knows if you're hearing it in faith or if you're not. Let's keep moving here. The word of God is living and effective. What were the words of God referenced in this passage? He kept saying, by my words. In in the book of James, this happens by my words. Well, what words specifically is he mentioning? Well, there were words by the Holy Spirit in chapter 3, and now there's words by David. 
And here it is, Psalm 95, 7 through 11. Here's the quote. This is the passage that it's from. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. Pause. Isn't that exactly what he was saying in this passage? Don't harden your hearts when you hear it, when you hear the words of the Lord. Why? Because the words of the Lord are effective. The words of the Lord are producing a pattern in your life. And if you don't hear the words of the Lord, you're going to be in a pattern of disobedience rather than a pattern of what? Obedience. And in order to be in a pattern of obedience, you got to hear. This is a lot of common sense, isn't it? I mean, you don't really need a theological degree to figure this one out. I'm saying. And it's a good thing because I've not been to seminary. Amen? (laughs) Look at it. Look at it. Here's the quote. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me. Though they had seen what I did, For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my, they do not know my patterns. They don't understand what I'm saying and how to carry that out. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my what? What's the whole point of chapter four? There's a promise of what that remains. Come on now, of what? I need a what? Gotcha. I need a nap. <laughs> I need a rest. What does that mean? <laughs> it's 2023. You guys are like, I need a rest. <laughs> Let's call it that from here on out, shall we? No, we need a nap. <laughs> the pattern of obedience or the pattern of disobedience. Every Jew in the church, when this letter was read, they knew exactly what was being referenced here. And if they didn't, they would have been reminded. And that's what he did. The words of David were this. Y'all are hardening your heart. The words of David in Psalms talks about a specific story. When their ancestors hardened their hearts. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit speaking in chapter three. The Lord using David to speak in the Psalms. Powerful words of the Lord. The Lord's words are powerful. The Lord's words are meaningful. So here's the rest of the story, right? Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. This is the story that they're talking about in Hebrews chapter 4. You ready? Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Then... The whole community broke into loud cries. And the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. 
Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? So they said to another, let us appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. This is what it looks like when people disregard the Lord's words. Just in case you're wondering. That's what, that, that's how it, that outcome, this is, this is what it plays out to be. Just a few verses later, seven verses later, verse 11, it says this in Numbers 14. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not, what's the next word? How long will they not trust in me? Despite all the signs I have performed among them. This is the story. If you've been in, if you've grown up in church, there's a song that you sing as a little kid. Uh, Twelve men went to spy on Cain, and ten were bad, and two were good. What do you think they saw in Cain? And ten were bad, and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad, and two were good. And then you go faster, and you hold up ten were bad, and two were good. Anybody ever sang that? How many? Let's see. Where's all them church kids at? Oh, yeah. Three of you. Amen. <laughs> we know where our church is. <laughs> it would have been me and Annie on the front row racing. <laughs> Tim, we're bad and two, we're good. The story is this. It, they came out of Egypt, and the Lord had the promised land for them. We could equate the promised land once they're in it and conquered, they would have reached a point of what? Rest. But they first have to go to the land that was theirs, that was promised, and they have to take it. And the Bible says that they sent 12 spies in. And of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb were the two that were like, let's get it. They put their plate carriers on. They had their wilder tactical war belts they had their mags dropped in. I mean, they were ready. <laughs> Greg took me to uh, the, the Propst plantation up in West Virginia. We went to, uh, we went to West Virginia uh, for a couple days. And I think it's so fitting that we went this weekend when Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about rest. I'll get back to my story in a minute. I'm coming. Brief intermission. Oh, man, 12.08. I really don't have time for this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. We're taking communion next week. I know it says today, but I'm, I've gone over. We decided that earlier this morning on the fly. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we go out, <laughs> me, Mike, and, and Greg, and we're out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, literally, I, my cell phone, it was, I looked at my phone once we got there, and it said no. Like, two, just No. Like, right across the screen. It didn't say no. But it was completely dead. It was useless. It was a paperweight, if that. And, man, we were just out. I mean, when we talk about the woods, like, the mountains, that's where we were. Back country. And you really experience, like, how we never shut our minds off. Unless we reach a place where there's literally no connectivity. I was watching a podcast recently, and it was talking about, it was a guy who does AI. And one of them said to the other, what do you think about all this Neuralink stuff where they can embed a chip in somebody's brain, and it can help 
help them with those cognitive functions, like those people that have never walked before. A chip, we can program it to tell their body to do what they need to do, and it'll interface with their body. They can program it to be able to walk again. And, you know, one of the guys was like, no, you can put no chips in nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I would say that would probably be the general consensus in here, right? It would be like, I ain't putting no chip in me. <laughs> I ain't even getting vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you put nothing in me. But that's like the initial, it scares us to think like, oh my goodness, like my, putting something in my body like that, I would never. And then the guy that owns the AI company, he says, we, we've all, we're already there, we just don't realize it. And the guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, do you ever go anywhere without your phone? And the guy's like, no. He's like, see, it's always, it might not be embedded in your skull, but it's always with you. This has become an extension of your hand, of your body, of your mind. And over and over, we would be like sitting at the table and, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to Google that. Be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. How long has it been? And maybe for me, like, it, I mean, it'd been a long time since I had been completely disconnected. The idea of, of rest in this is to reach a place where you cannot turn to anything else except God. And when you reach that place, you can finally say, I've reached a place of what? Rest. But we're so connected. Man, we, of course, shot guns because we're in the mountains. You know what I mean? I felt like Caleb. I wanted to charge the land and kill the Nephilim. Mike was showing me moving drills. You know what I mean? Doing the ninja rolls, pulling my nine. It was awesome. I shot three cows. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I got Willie. Cactus Willies. We got him. We got him. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was fun. We were, we were packing up to leave, and uh, Greg was like, yeah, we got to get up at five. And I was like, oh, my, my alarm clock doesn't work. It says no on my phone. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We got up, and we're, like, packing up the truck. Mike was standing there on the side, and I was, like, about to walk down the stairs. I hit that first step, and whew, it rained for, like, a solid day. And, man, I felt like my feet were higher than the roof of the house. <laughs> I know they weren't, but that's how I felt. And I was like, Mike, boom. I, like, connected about halfway down right here. <laughs> and he comes up, you okay? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll be okay, though. He was like, I'm glad it was you and not me or Greg. <laughs> I don't know that you would be here if that was you. <laughs> Cracked rib. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it was fun. So, so many comparisons, though, between finding rest, finding a place. Well, here's the thing. The children of Israel were given a land. They were given a, a, a plot of land in West Virginia. And all they had to do was go in and take it. Here's the thing, though. The giants inhabited it. Do you remember back in our Exodus story? Of course the giants inhabited it. The Lord wants the children of Israel to show everyone that the gods of this world are not in charge. Of course God is going to allow the giants to inhabit the land so that his people can come in and conquer them. So that we can say, by the word of the Lord, these little scrawny Israelites defeated those big giants, not because of their ability, but because of their obedience. 
Here's the problem. Inside this room, there are folks, God has incredible, big, massive plans for you. But unfortunately, you're in a holding pattern of disobedience rather than obedience. So therefore, you will never reach your Sabbath rest. You know what God did in numbers? He said, you know what? Every one of you that said that I couldn't, every one of you that ran your mouth and said, let's go back to Egypt. Ah. God's like, I heard every one of you, but I didn't hear it from your mouth. I heard it from your heart. And guess what? Every one of you are going to die in the wilderness. That's terrible. God shouldn't have done that. He's so mean. Uh, He should do it. Why? Because the whole point of human existence is to prove that we are to be in a relationship with the God of Israel. The one that rules and reigns everything. Your pattern of disobedience, guess what it brings according to James? Death. The pattern of obedience brings life. Oh my goodness. Do you guys see what's, what's playing out here? This is so good. The Lord worked and then rested. Remember the Lord's own pattern in creating the universe. Genesis 2, 1 through 2 says, So the heavens and earth and everything that were in them completed, on the seventh day, I know I butchered that, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his what? Work that he had done. The Lord worked and then rested. The Lord calls us to the same pattern in the text today. Verses 9 through 11. I also want us to remember, think about it. The beginning of the passage in verse 2 says that the message did not benefit those that did not unite in faith. The children of Israel did not rally around the Lord's work in believing loyalty. Rather, they ignored the past victories and complained about the present circumstances. This enraged the Lord because of their unbelief. Another observation is that they were unwilling to take the words of the Lord and turn them into action. Go take that land. Caleb, Joshua, war belts, plate carriers, let's go. My AR is pretty bad, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> let's go. Let's get it. All the other 10. Uh-uh. No. I'm terrified. I'm scared. Don't you know what the Lord has already done? As a result, they never entered into the rest portion of the will of God. Now, I've, I have just a few observations about rest. I, look, when I say this to y'all, mm, there's so many analogies here, and I, and I know that it's, a, it's interwoven. I want you to reach your proverbial promised land, not just heaven, right? Of course, this applies to salvation. What do you mean it applies to that? Well, it applies to salvation. No one's going to get to the kingdom of God. No one will reach that final destination unless they hear and have believing loyalty in faith, right? It's not about their works or their ability to earn. It's about believing in the one who's already done the what? The work, right? See how it applies to eternity? The same passage. Some that say, oh, I want to go back to Egypt. Run back to your old life. That's a bad idea. Go ahead and tick off the God of the universe. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Live in fear of the giant, but not in fear of the one who can put both body and soul into hell. 
Does that make sense? No. We fear man, and God is like, fear me. Not because I'm like the overlord, but because I have control over everything. They don't. The devil imposes fear on you with power that he doesn't have. I actually hold the keys to everything. Pattern of obedience or pattern of disobedience. Now, that same pattern, God uses it in your life. Not just in eternity, but now. What do you mean? Do you know God will lead you into rest now? God will lead you. Well, what does that mean? It means I just take naps all the time? No. And I, and I think this is important for us to figure out rhythms of rest, and that's one of the points. But the actual thought that there is a promised land on this side of the kingdom of God, it begins now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. In the passage, chapter 3 and chapter 4, the word is for what? Today. It is now. Here's the thing. How many of you are biting your fingernails? The prosperity gospel is like, oh, just sow a seed. Just give and the Lord will open up the windows of heaven. Preachers and sneakers, right? You know, these guys are like Jesse Duplantis pulling out his millions, wearing their $1,500 sneakers. Just sow a seed, sow in faith. Like that is, that is so da- damning and damaging, right? But don't let that keep you from reality. And the reality is this. The Lord wants you to, to literally go out and conquer in this world so that your resources can be deployed for the kingdom of God. And that doesn't look like the kingdom of God, like buying the pat. Let's get me some $1,500 sneakers. Let's take an offering right now. What we got? Ready? Let's raise money. No. Like, I'm good with my boots. Okay? I'm good. That's all I need right here. The point is, <laughs> the, the building project that we talked about doing here, or whatever the Lord has left for us. We had a missionary that came through here, right? I sat at the table, the lunch table with him, and he's like, a businessman in, in Michigan cut me a $70,000 check. And I went, and I built a radio station, and like 20 million people have heard the gospel because of it. That he had story after story after story after story. I mean, just, what, babe, am I, like, one after another after another after another. We just sat there, and we were like, he didn't, his food got cold. I had to stop him and say, Pastor, like, please eat your burger. Like, your food's getting cold. I want you to enjoy it. But he was just, like, sharing, sharing, sharing. What was he sharing? Patterns of obedience. And it wasn't about getting rich and famous for whatever. It was about those that were rich that were using their resources for legitimate kingdom purposes. Do you know, God, if God is moving you to start a business, God may explode that business so that you can give, so that millions more can hear the gospel. What would it be if you were actually kingdom-minded and made millions? Do you think we could use a couple millionaires in our church? Yes. For what? Cars and clothes? Yeah. No. It's so much bigger than that, right? And in fact, that makes that look that much more disgusting. 
when people prioritize their wants and desires. But the wants and desires, baby, is what brings what? Literally, they absorb what God is using for a pattern of disobedience. That's why it's so wrong. But what if you have a dream and a vision, and the Lord gives it to you, and you're like, but there's giants. The most a millennial got out of this message today is that the pastor said he needed naps. I can so track with that. I take like five a day. I need naps. I'm so spiritual if that's the case. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We need a generation that knows how to work hard. Look what I've built. No! No, 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 no. A generation that knows how to step in and work hard with God. Something that he has already gone before them to accomplish. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number one, naps are for people who obey. Rest is for people who obey. Here's what we think in America. I earned a vacation. I earned it. I'm going on a cruise. Well, why? Because I work hard. Okay, But we need to reframe that when it comes to the kingdom of God. The Lord doesn't give you and bless you because of your effort. He gives and blesses because of Jesus' effort. All he asks you to do is believe. All he asks you to do is hear in faith. And listen, if God ever makes anything of me, if God ever blesses me to the point that someone looks at my life and goes, what in the world did that guy do? Holy cow. Oh, my God. How much money did he give? What did their church do? I hope to God we would all say it's because of him. I didn't do nothing. There were giants in the land. It was crazy. Those of you that have been a part of this thing from the beginning know we didn't have nothing. And look what God is doing. Look what God, oh my goodness. Joshua, Joshua, when he walked into that promised land, I can imagine he got to that stuff. He was ready. I can imagine he just looked back at all those gray hairs. Not you. (laughs) You fit the illustration perfectly. I love you, Mr. George. He looked back at everyone that had unbelief. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And he said, watch me walk into my rest. Rest is not, it's not just doing nothing. It could be doing everything that God has for you in his power and at your own. Why will some of you never succeed? Why will some of you always be held from reaching your potential? Because you're in a pattern of disobedience. All you have to do with God, this is so, this could be the most simple message I've ever preached. All you have to do is obey. What do I do? Where do I work? Do I quit my job? Do I do God's laid this thing on my heart. What are you scared of? I'm scared it'll fail. It's not yours to fail at, it's His. If he wants you to fail, you'll fail at that to lead you to the thing that you will succeed in. The thing is just to hear it in faith. You know, I've failed so many times. I've had so many real good ideas. My wife is like, oh my Lord. I've had to sell websites, whole websites that I bought because I was like, this is the thing. This is it. 
She was like, okay, we're not eating, not eating out for the next three years. Matt had an idea. Fail. <laughs> but then what about the good one I had? Was that me? No. He had to take me through all those points of failure to get me to the place that I actually knew that this was him. And that when I step into it, I'm stepping into rest. I'm not stepping into something that's going to work me to death because I'm stepping into something that I know he's already accomplished. Rest naps are for those who obey. Get out of this retarded American mindset that says, here's the thing. I earn this. You didn't earn anything. We are all sinners saved by grace. Stay in the rat race of I'm just working to retire. No. We're working to facilitate the kingdom of God. We're working to turn people from darkness to light. We're working not to take vacations, but we're working to free people from bondage. We're working to lead people into their Sabbath rest. Sometimes rest doesn't look like what you think it does. Oh my goodness. Naps are for people. I love this. Naps are for people who are being watched over and cared for by. My little baby. We put him down for a what? Every day. And when we don't, oh Lord. You already know. Some of y'all are doing this thing on your own. Stop it. I'm doing just fine. Okay. You can tell. Everybody can tell. We look at you and it looks like you're a baby who hasn't had a nap in three weeks. No structure, no schedule. What are you doing? I'm living my life. Prison. You need to remember the fact that you're a child of God. And you need to let him put you down for a nap. You think I'm playing. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. Naps are for people who allow other people to. And why is that? That they are cared for? and looked after. Here's why. Because the one who gets the credit and the glory is the one who's watching and caring out for them. That's the other reason. Number number three, naps are essential in the kingdom of God to reveal who is doing the watching and caring. When you say, I'm resting in what God is doing, you're saying, hey God, whatever comes out of this thing, good or bad, hey, guess what? It's because of you. My, no one looks at my baby and goes, man, he's the man. He knows how to do all of that for himself. No, you look at a baby that's well-kempt and you say, he's got a good mama. And he does. He, look at him. And a good grandmother. <laughs> she changes his clothes 10 times every day. Loves the thing. He's like just so well taken care of. What does it show? It shows good leadership. People that are watching over him. You're not fooling anybody acting like you're doing everything. You don't need a gold star for being the best husband or the best wife. You just need to say, hey, I have a God that's watching over me. I have a God that's working even when I'm not, which is why the mentality that you just work, 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 get, 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 ah, everything, ah, that's stupid. It's anti-Bible. 
God says, listen, the pattern of obedience is a pattern of rest. You need to find in your rhythms of life how to put the pause button on everything. And then when things continue and when things go good, here's the thing. This is for me. Number four is for me. You need to find in your rhythms and routine a way to put the pause button. Why is that so important? Because people like me and personalities like me, I'm neurodivergent, I learned that this week. (laughs) People like me, listen, you thrive off of success. And it's really easy to get caught in a loop. And watch that, then you desire it. And what I know about desire is it's a pattern of disobedience. Hit the pause button. And when things continue to succeed, I'm able to go, I didn't do that. He did it. Why is rest important? So you can tell your kids, we didn't do it. He did it. But no, I'll lose everything. No, you won't. Not if you're the child and he's the parent. What pattern are you caught in? A pattern of obedience or a pattern of disobedience? I Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.